Brought to you by Shut Up and Listen, this is the Proper Full On Gay Podcast. Coming up, Harry Green, our favourite villain, with Orla and Ollie from Shoutout Ireland. Why not hit that subscribe button and follow us on social media at Proper Full On Gay Podcast. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> um, should we get should we get started? Are you guys happy enough to get started? I'm ready to go whenever, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Super. Hi folks and welcome to the Proper Full on Gay Podcast. That show where we talk about Heartstopper and use the show to inspire conversations about the lives of queer young people and about queer culture. I'm Jamie, I use he him pronouns and um, as you might know, if you're a long-time listener, we have five national partners who we work with, and I'm really excited to welcome from Shout Out Ireland, Orla and Ollie. Hello. Hi. Hello. Are you both excited to be here? Such a yeah. loaded question. There's only one right answer. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourselves? Perfect. Uh, well, my name's Orla and I use she and her pronouns. I've been with Shoutout, I think just during the just during lockdown is when I joined. So, God, that's probably, oh, God, that's nearly about three years now, which yeah. is a scary thing to say. But yeah, I've been volunteered with Shoutout and um, doing workshops all over the country, online and in person recently. Uh, so I'm very excited to be here today. Oh, that's so good. And Ollie, why don't you introduce yourself? You, you've you been on the show before. I think the last time you were here was way back in episode, was it episode six that we did together? Uh, we did the, I think we did Bully, the, I think it was episode seven. Um, episode seven, very yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, my name is Ollie. Uh, I use them pronouns and I am... Uh, I am working in Shedish uh, currently as the education coordinator. So I do lots of different things. You know, I do sometimes I do workshops, sometimes uh, more of the admin stuff like liaisoning with schools and booking them in, uh, giving teacher training, staff trainings, uh, training volunteers. Um, I started working uh, with Shedish at the end of August, uh, but I was a volunteer beforehand in, since 2016 so I've done you know a, oh, a bit very of long there. time yeah. a very yeah. long time <laughs> why don't you tell us a bit about shout out just in case listeners haven't tuned in before what what is shout out why does that organization exist yeah so shout out um primarily what we do is our uh, volunteer uh, our volunteers go to secondary schools and give educational lgbtq plus workshops so we were set up in, in 2012. Uh, obviously, I wasn't I wasn't around at that time, but it was set up by a bunch of college college students who, you know, asked the same kind of question when they were in college. You know, why was you know secondary school so hard for us? Um, why was it so hard? You know, to come out and be LGBT in secondary schools, and it was because no one actually talked about it. You know, yeah. uh, in 2012, it was a completely different landscape to the kind of lands- landscape we have in Ireland today. You know, there was no marriage equality, there was no gender recognition, um, and there wasn't uh, that kind of openness that we, or you know, a lot of uh, a lot more representation in the media. We didn't have that, you know, mm. uh, back in 2012, and so it was started by a group of LGBT college students who decided to just start emailing schools and be like, "Hey, can we come in and talk about what it's like to be LGBT, what it was like to grow up uh, LGBT?" Um, and it's kind of evolved from that. Uh, we celebrated our 10th birthday, which I think I uh, said in the, the last episode That's right. I was on. Uh, so we're 10 years old. Um, we're still a relatively, when it comes to staff, we're still a very small uh, organization. There's only three of us uh, working. But then our most of our uh, workshops, our secondary school workshops are done by our wonderful volunteers, uh, like the likes of Orla, um, and like that during COVID, we did uh, <laughs> online workshops as well. 
but we also do outside of that um uh, teacher trainings uh staff yeah. trainings uh you know capacity capacity building workshops that kind of thing anyone who kind of sends in a request being like can you talk about lgbt stuff or yeah. i need help you know we're we're all always kind of like yes Came let's see what we there. can do yeah very good uh, it's quite staggering to think that your organization for just having three members of staff and then supported by volunteers that you've achieved yeah. so much in those 10 years the numbers yeah are yeah I think it really reflects the kind of diversity of our you know volunteer uh our volunteers that we have people from loads of different backgrounds uh loads of different identities and way of kind of expressing um you know gender and sexuality I think makes it uh quite fun and makes it quite interesting for for students as well very good we've got five national partners that we work with and the show just wouldn't exist without them we really do depend on them to turn up every single episode and they bring great guests so we're really really grateful that we have your support and of course listeners we're really grateful for you too thanks so much for tuning in and spending a little bit of your time with us we've got listeners now from all over the world and it's a bit humbling, really, that so many people choose to to listen along. This is the episode where we're going to wrap season one for the podcast. I know we had hope to continue right on through until season two comes out, but there's a lot of ambiguity about when that might be. And we've heard a few different rumors about it being kind of late in the year. So we're going to take a break for a little bit of time and then drop a few specials in between now and then. And then we'll be back with a full season recap whenever we get a release date for season two. During that time, episode drops will be a bit less frequent, so the only way to be sure that you don't miss one of our amazing special releases is to look down at your phone right now and hit that subscribe button. And then if you follow us on social media at Proper Full on Gay Podcast, you'll be one of the first to hear about any new episodes that we put out. So yeah, Um, should we crack on? Should we get on with the show? So today's episode's all about Harry Green, one of our favorite villains from the Heartstopper, Heartstopper characters and the impact that he has on the people around him. We'll be talking about his toxic behavior and the impact that bullying can have on not only the victims of bullying, but also the rest of the people in the school and, and the people that are in their social circles, I guess. Harry's Heartstopper story arc is really interesting. It's a really good illustration of homophobic and other types of bullying in schools, and it also shows the direct and indirect impact that bullies can have on the well-being of a whole group of friends and not just the individuals that they bully. The first story that we've picked out is Imogen's story arc, and I think it shows that quite well, how an interaction that she has with Harry in episode four ripples across this group of friends, impacting not just her well-being, but also Nick and Tao and Charlie too. Um, Imogen's one of my favourite characters in Heartstopper. Like, I really love what she brings to the show. Yeah, I do. I do like that um, she's kind of a, a character only in in this, the the TV show, and she does add a little bit of you know conflict and drama that that isn't really seen in um in uh the the comics but also I love her you know iconic line of like oh, I'm not homophobic I'm an ally <laughs> and she does bring that kind of like comedy and you know yeah. that kind of like mm. just a teenage girl in school and trying to make friends and you Definitely. know that kind of thing uh which I think is very very sweet yeah it is definitely definitely she's a great character we've seen that Imogen in the first few episodes has been quite flirty with Nick whenever we see them together um she's often hanging on his every word and we know that at Harry's party she told Nick that she really liked him it was so awkward uh so yeah she definitely has a romantic interest and in this episode um she's gone to watch the Truian rugby team play a game of rugby against the sports academy all of the group of friends are there and they're gathered outside waiting for some of the rugby players to come out. And uh, you get this quite uncomfortable exchange between Harry and Imogen where she's waiting by the door and he realizes that she's kind of standing waiting for somebody to come out. And he kind of gives her a hard time when she says she's waiting for Nick. And he asks if she's finally ready to make a move and calls her a coward. And when Nick leaves the changing rooms, she compliments him on how well he played. And there's this really awkward conversation with everybody standing around watching because Harry has drawn everybody's attention to what's happening. Um, And she feels so pressured and very awkwardly asks Nick out on a date. 
she's visibly uncomfortable and Nick is really surprised and he looks really uncomfortable too but he accepts her invitation and Tao and Elle are watching over from above Imogen already knows that Nick doesn't really like her in that way like she asked him more or less at Harry's party and it was so awkward yeah absolutely yeah it also just seems like there it must be like the most echoey sports stadium because it, you're I, you're so right like all of Harry's friend group and then like even Tao and Elle like everyone is just zoning in on this one conversation so it is horrible and I feel like it is a really cringy thing to watch when it's obviously supposed to be a private conversation between two people and yeah. it's just completely like I don't know like microscoped in by like definitely probably at least like 10 people are like watching it's mad it really is mm. mad I'm not convinced that she ever would have asked Nick out. I don't think that she would have gotten to that stage had Harry not have pressured her, or had Harry mm, um, not yeah. pressured her in that moment. I don't think that she would have asked him out at all, really. Peer pressure like that isn't always a form of bullying in itself. But here, Harry calls her a coward and he embarrasses her in front of everybody. So some would argue that he has bullied her into asking. Mm. He's almost kind of using her and Nick as kind of that entertainment that that um a part of me is like did he think that like Nick was going to turn her down or something Mm. like that I'm wanting to kind of uh, embarrass her and like that not really seeing her as like a human being but rather you know something that he can kind of laugh at or or joke at or like make fun of and that kind of thing Definitely. It always seems to be about about manipulation and control with Harry. He always likes to kind of see what he can get other people to do. And a lot of the times you see Imogen and she seems like this really fierce girl boss that, Mm. but yet here she hasn't found the strength within her to stand up to Harry, you know, which I guess in the moment is understandable. Absolutely. I feel like that just speaks to like how much like control peer pressure can have over you especially when you're a teenager and because like Imogen is so like I feel like she is so confident and she is so brazen and she has no problem having banter with the lads and telling them to like go away and to shut up but in that moment she just like I don't think anyone really (laughs) could stick up to that just because of the not only the audience but then also that intense peer pressure and that just like relentless like berating from Harry yeah that's true and maybe it's because she sees herself as one of the rugby girls who can have banter Mm. with the lads and everything else that she feels like she doesn't want to back down at the same time you know in episode five we see the impact that that has on Tao first him and Elle have overheard this conversation they've overheard Nick arranging to go on a date with Imogen and it puts them in quite an awkward place thankfully in a way Tao still doesn't realize that Nick and Charlie have started to form this like secret relationship so as far as he knows Charlie has like this unrequited crush on Nick and um, which is maybe a good thing I can't imagine how he would have responded had he known that Nick and Charlie were potentially an item at this stage I feel like Tao would probably respond to the same I don't know I feel like it wouldn't be too much of a different reaction just judging on how upset he was at the mere idea that Charlie's feelings could be hurt because this person that he just had this unrequited crush on Mm. was going out with a girl let alone it had he known that Charlie and Nick were actually um sort of becoming a couple behind the scenes yeah, I think Tao is very protective over Charlie. And I think like that he kind of has a good reason to because of the the kind of bullying that Charlie went through um, and wanting to protect your friend. I think I think maybe even if Tao had known uh, that they were going out, that maybe his reaction would have been more angry or maybe more mm. kind of like... Yeah. what do you think you're doing and and more confident confrontational Maybe. in that kind of aspect um because Tao is so protective over Charlie and you know and he's already at this point kind of like in a weird kind of uh place where he's watching you know his friends kind of like Charlie make friends with Nick and be close with Nick and even though he doesn't know that they're going out, it might be a bit of that kind of jealousy around um, and just even having your best friend kind of 
go to someone else and be close with someone else and uh, and being kind of left out uh, and feeling like you know things aren't staying the same that things are constantly changing so I think if he had known that maybe he would have acted a lot I mean a lot worse or a lot more aggressively I guess yeah maybe and he has he has gone through a lot of change Tao if you think about his whole story arc you know his best friend is Elle and she transitioned and moved to a new school and he had dealt with all of that change can be so intense as well for for one of your friends and then to feel like their friendship group as he says in the episode that they're almost falling apart you know what I mean yeah you can kind of understand how difficult that must be to go through so much change in such a short period of time you know over a few months or six months in the next episode they have a sleepover and at Charlie's house and Tao decides that he has to tell Charlie but he loses his nerve and ends up telling him in the bathroom whenever they go bowling for Charlie's birthday like I have a lot of respect for Tao but that is a pretty like that's a pretty bad decision right there for Mm. sure Mm. absolutely yeah it's not not the time or the place um and it is like Tao I I, yeah I I feel the same like I I love Tao but he just sort of bursts in like it's the most dramatic news and just immediately it just starts coming out <laughs> like it's it's very very intense yeah um also i need to know if this is a real bowling alley that exists it uh, is it is, is it yes. oh my god it does exist it's don't a, ask me like, where it is but it definitely exists people it's are, incredible <laughs> yeah fans have visited like if you look on instagram they're and photos of them in the bowling alley and stuff. Oh, cute. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, it kind of be nice for Charlie to have that kind of conversation. It's never nice at all, especially on, yeah. on a celebration day with Nick just outside. Like it mm. must have felt really, it must have felt so intense. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, um, I... I like Tao as a character because it just shows that kind of um, that that kind of way when you're a teenager, you're so impulsive, you know, you're you're going through kind of these changes and sometimes you do things without kind of uh, thinking and it just, you know, that's kind of part of what being a teenager is, is sometimes you make mistakes. And I think yeah. as well, like Tao is just going, so th- going through so much and it's kind of like, yeah, it's not the the best way of kind of doing that. It should have been more of a private conversation. But I, uh, I mean, I can understand. I, I can be a, a Tao apologist <laughs> and say, ah, <laughs> oh, that's just what being a teenager is, is yeah. doing things without thinking and kind of going headfirst into, into, you know, these kind of confrontations and, and stuff like that. Definitely, definitely. To make matters worse, Nick overhears from outside. Mm. But in a way, it's almost it almost helps Nick kind of turn the situation around. Mm. That while all this is happening in the bathroom, Nick turns up at the snack counter and he can hear what's going on in the bathroom. And he hears a few of the things that Tao calls him. And um, the end of the conversation where Charlie asks Tao if he really thinks that Nick is messing him around. And he kind of stutters his word and says, you know, but but he's my and he's it's on the tip of his tongue to say, you know, he's my boyfriend or he's my mm. whatever. Um, and he doesn't. He says he's my friend. And you can see that hearing that outside, Nick is saddened by what Charlie says. It, it hurts him to hear Charlie speak like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also kind of I know that if Charlie had told told Tao, that would have also kind of outed Nick as well. So I kind of understand yeah. why he didn't say it, but that he mm. wanted to, and that yeah, um. And that, you know, Nick is kind of sad, but it kind of shows that Charlie does have that kind of respect for Nick that, you know, he knows he's not exactly kind of ready to come out fully to people for people to kind of know these things uh, about him. Definitely. And these moments are really important in Nick's story arc because we see um, really from whenever they first kiss or the second kiss um, the day after Harry's party at Charlie's house under the blue umbrella and up in the be- up in Charlie's bedroom and stuff. Then Nick starts to feel quite guilty for asking Charlie to keep their relationship a secret. He, he mm. gets that connection. He thinks that it almost makes him a bit like Ben, which we know it doesn't because mm. Ben has a whole host of other issues that are kind of going on affecting his 
choices in his behavior, which is very toxic. But these moments where he overhears things like this are almost important in Nick's story arc where he reaches that point, actually, where he decides that he wants to come out, not just for himself, but also for Charlie, you know? Mm -hmm. So after bowling, the friends pair off in the arcade. Charlie and Nick go off to a grabber machine where Nick tells Charlie that he overheard the conversation with Tao and apologizes for the date with Imogen. Um, Charlie's quite surprised. He asks if he actually went on a date. Um, and Nick explains that he didn't go on the date, but she asked him out and that he was so surprised that he just blurted out yes because he didn't know how to say no. I think actually, if you watch that scene back again, I think that it was Imogen's dead dog kind of helped Nick in this situation because <laughs> no. it was a little bit, it added a bit of comedy, you know, that he couldn't yeah. tell her because he tried to break it off and then her dog died, you know, um, and it just adds plausibility about why he didn't cancel mm. the date to begin with. I do love that scene. Um Sounds horrible to say. Love, I love the scene where she talks about a dead dog, but it is quite, it is quite comedic in a way. But I also think Imogen has the most beautiful, bright blue eyes that I've ever seen. So yeah. just her little face, looking at this poor dog, and like she herself is just with these big blue eyes, looking sad, and you could just see Nick like. There's no possible way you could let someone yeah. down even further in this moment. <laughs> yeah. And then the following scenes where Nick's trying to explain to his mum about the yeah. date, it does just add a bit of humour, you know, as much as, as sad as it is, I'm sure, for yeah. imaging that yeah. her dog's dead. Uh, I'm yeah. sure she could laugh about it in the future. Yeah. <laughs> a dark humour type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I quite admire Nick for being so honest with Charlie. Like, he is totally honest in this situation. And Mm. that takes a lot of kind of maturity at that age where you don't shy away from it or take the easy way out, where you just do stand and, you know, confess everything. Yeah, I do like that he kind of um, doesn't make excuses for it. Like, he does kind of own up and is like, yeah, at the moment, I didn't know what to do. And I said, yes, and I'm sorry for not telling you. And this kind of thing, he doesn't go like trying to make excuses or trying to say like it wasn't a big deal or kind of downplaying and Charlie's kind of feelings, which is kind of very much like the opposite of, you know, Ben and what how Ben uh, treated him. So I I enjoy that kind of like... um, that juxtaposing of, of that kind of relationship um, and that kind of thing of that even when you do, you know, hit these kind of hurdles or if you do make a mistake, you know, it is okay to say, you know, admit your mistake, say you're sorry uh, and, and talk about these things kind of openly um, and, you know, showing that good communication is actually yeah. really important. Definitely, definitely. And also how Charlie engaged in that conversation too. Like he understood what was happening. He he empathized with Nick. And, you know, I'm not sure that the 15-year-old version of me would yeah. have been quite so understanding or like it would have mm. been my whole world was falling apart. It would have been so dramatic <laughs> yeah. about it all, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Nick meets with Imogen the next day to tell her that he doesn't like her in a romantic way, that he's not sure that he fits with her or the other people in their friendship group. A really difficult conversation with Imogen in the park. I do have a lot of empathy for it. It's never nice to hear that your crush isn't interested in you, especially because everybody knows, largely because she's been telling everybody. But yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult situation to be in. Mm. Again, I think Imogen is like super mature, and that's why like I am I am an Imogen defender definitely because yeah. she takes she is upset obviously as mm. you would be but she handles it super well and she doesn't That's lash out really well yeah yeah and she's so empathetic towards Nick and so like willing to listen to him I think as well which is lovely like definitely. it is just a lovely honest conversation between them yeah it really is it was a really nice it was really well put together that scene yeah. mm. Although Kit Connor, it's definitely not his best moment in terms of acting. Like it's a bit all over the place, but it was still a lovely scene to watch in yeah. the park, you know. Maybe it was a cold day when he yeah. was home. Yeah. He <laughs> was actually just really distracted by the dog. <laughs> oh my god, the yeah. dog what what's the dog called? Echo is the real name of the dog, I think. Oh my god, go I, I I don't know what they do in their da- downtime when they're not acting, but they should fully be an emotional support dog because oh the way they God. just perfectly so rest their little cute. face, oh, like yeah. it's ridiculous. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It has quite a, a social media following. Like it has its own oh, Instagram Lego. Echo, I think it oh, has I- its I own thought Instagram you were- account. 
I thought you were asking about the the dog, like the fictional dog's name, and I was like, Nelly. Oh yeah, Nelly. That is, that is Nelly. Do you know I couldn't remember its its character name, which is why I said Echo. And I couldn't remember its <laughs> real name. So you're such a you're such a fan of uh, the dog's work that you're like, how can I box uh, Echo into one role? <laughs> but, but she's so diverse in every way. Yeah, definitely, I think Imogen's. Imogen's real maturity comes across again the next day whenever Harry kind of confronts them outside the school about how their date went and Imogen totally takes control of that conversation and steers Harry away from all the awkwardness that it could end up in you know so I think she did really well in that setting too and it's interesting because we see how strong she is there so in a way why did we not see that Imogen whenever Harry tried to pressure her at the rugby stadium you know Mm. But yeah, I thought that was a really interesting story arc because you kind of get this little tiny moment between Harry and Imogen at the rugby stadium and you see the the ripple effect that it has across all of the different characters. Um, should we talk about the next bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think we could talk about Harry without talking about episode seven. And I know me and you've chatted about this before, Ollie. <laughs> I didn't realize that up until this point, Harry hasn't really had a lot to say to Charlie directly. Apart mm. from the odd homophobic comment, like he makes a homophobic comment on the rugby pitch about the other player. and But most of his homophobia and his homophobic comments have been about Charlie, but to other people, which Charlie sometimes overhears. Is that one of the more common forms of homophobic bullying that you see in schools and hear about in schools? Yeah, I mean, when we kind of, we do a walking debate, um, and I think I kind of brought this up last episode, but one of the statements is, I feel like my school would be a supportive place to come out. Um, You know, when we do get, you're you're rarely going to see like everyone on the agree Mm. side. And sometimes like when that does happen, it's kind of like, okay, uh how how is the school supportive and they're like oh well you you know the teachers you know you could go to them or that kind of thing and then when you talk about the students that's when they're like ah not really Mm. and what you really see is people talking about others behind their back saying oh so and so so gay or things written um I had one school that said that people would write things uh, if uh, if a certain person, uh, you know, there was like assigned desks, and if that they knew what who whose desk was who. Sometimes it was personal kind of messages like written on on the desk, which yeah, uh, and, and oftentimes it is homophobic. But like that, it's very in these kind of very subtle ways that you would really mm. get someone going up to someone's face and calling them you know slurs or saying uh saying offensive things often at times and I've not to be uh like sexist but I think a lot of the times it's toward girls are more likely to from what I've seen in schools are more likely to do it behind the back or spreading rumors or gossiping whereas boys I feel are more upfront and more physical Um, okay that's interesting not to be kind of gender essentialist with it but that's kind of like I feel like that's kind of the way I kind of just with people's upbringings and and how I guess boys are more likely to be aggressive while girls Mm. are more likely to be it's more kind of like a secret and more subtle ways I guess definitely it's interesting that form of homophobia where it's messages written on desks or you know it's quite it's almost quite anonymous in a way it must be Mm. quite hard for that person then to challenge and tackle even to report if it's if it's Mm. just things like that yeah yeah and it's also gets into the kind of like cyberbullying aspect of it as well that you know uh, because people are so connected on their phones and people are, are kind of you know if you make you can make an anonymous account and you can start sending messages. You can block That's that account right. and another one pops up. Mm. And it's almost kind of like it never kind of ends. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you had posted something online or said something online, suddenly it kind of spreads the whole, you know, classroom, the whole school, that it's kind of thing. That quick. it's, yeah. 
yeah. saw that with Tara in her story yeah. that whenever she came out on Instagram all of a sudden the whole school was talking about her and the impact that that had on her and how she felt um, I guess that was like whenever I was out at school homophobic bullying was it was terrible it was really bad but at least mm. I, I got to go home at the end of the day you know yeah. what I, mean? I, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like for kids these days where they literally carry the bullies around in their pocket on their phones mm. like the thought of that is it's pretty terrifying actually the impact that must have on their well-being a lot of the times it's people that you don't know who are kind of cyberbullying like a lot of the times it's just these random people who spend like trolls and who kind of just spend all their time online or specifically go out and search for young LGBT yeah people uh and just say nasty things um and you see it on Twitter Instagram uh TikTok um that kind of thing I feel like TikTok TikTok is kind of because you can stitch people's videos and you can Mm. duet people's videos and if you know a young LGBT person talks about being trans or being queer or that kind of thing suddenly they will yeah they will get you know stitched loads of people will duet them making fun of them and I think it's just this kind of new new kind of way of kind of bullying and making fun of um young lgbt people and it does have an effect uh, yeah. on on people on young people coming out um and on their like mental health as well it must be terrible that must have, like i hadn't thought of that context in on tiktok where they can actually reuse your content yeah in this episode nick invites charlie to the cinema with his friends Harry isn't supposed to be there, but he turns up and is as toxic as you would expect. After the group of friends leave the cinema, he sees Nick and Charlie laughing and walking together and he decides that he's going to single Charlie out. I find it quite interesting, actually, that he waited until this moment. And it's like, if you watch that scene as they're exiting the cinema, you can see Harry almost look at them from behind. Like you see Nick and Charlie chatting and perfectly framed in between them is like Harry's face. And he sees that they're talking and laughing with each other and he just decides that he's going to put an end to it. It's mm. like he deliberately chooses this moment. It's just quite interesting that he was triggered almost by seeing them together. Mm. He just sort of appears like on the shoulder, like a little devil on the shoulder coming out of yeah. nowhere, it seems. Yeah, it is funny. I I was really struck by this scene, actually, when I rewatched it. And I think like any queer young person or any queer person can relate to this when they were young this like specific kind of bullying just like the way Harry talks to Nick is just so malicious but it's like I feel like when Harry I think one of the first things he says to him is was he say what's it like to be gay yeah or what's it like being gay if you look at that sentence there's nothing inherently malicious or cruel about that but it's just the way that he says it immediately followed by the cackling of the friends behind him is just so upsetting. And I feel like that is such like bullying that is so like textbook and probably so many people had to endure when they were young. Just Mm. these like questions that are framed as innocent questions, but they're not because they are really hurtful. And the fact that they're just followed by this entourage of mocking laughter is uh, very upsetting for anyone to hear, I think. It definitely is. And it's so true to form with Harry, where he Mm. actually, what he's doing is turning Charlie into a piece of entertainment for the rest of his friends. Um, Mm. And to be in that kind of situation is horrendous. Like it feels terrible. And Mm. it's so intense, that kind of questioning where you're, it's just like one question after another, after another, Mm. after another, where you can't even get an answer out is so Mm. intense. It must be so hard to deal with. Like even for grownups in that kind of position where people are questioning them about their queerness or about part of their lives. Um, but for mm. a young person who's still trying to figure it out, it's it must be pretty terrible. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because I feel like uh, from Harry's perspective or from the bully's perspective, when you're bombarding people with these like inappropriate questions, it's not really about the answer at the end of the day. It's nearly like how much can you get away with saying and how yes. what's the most outrageous thing that you could question next that's going to get the best possible reaction from your friends. So I wouldn't be surprised if Harry is just completely not even hearing what Nick's reply is because he probably doesn't care what the reply is he just wants the rush of yeah 
asking these very salacious questions and how far he can push it yeah making his friends laugh and of course he Mm. finds the perfect question to ask when he when nick kind of interrupts and intervenes he turns the 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 questioning on to the relationship between nick and charlie and starts to question charlie if he has a crush on nick if he's attracted to Mm. nick again which is just a really difficult area it must have been hard for nick Mm. to kind of hear that as well to to hear the line of questioning take a turn like that Mm, absolutely yeah and I feel like it's uh, every I can certainly relate to when I was younger in school like I feel like it's every closeted um young person's nightmare is people are going to put two and two together and someone's literally going to turn to you directly almost yeah and uh, ask are you gay or do you have feelings or do you fancy such and such or whatever the question might be to me anyway that would have been irrecoverable um so I did yeah. feel really bad for Nick at that moment terrible <laughs> mm. really bad and for Charlie too to be in a position where he has to deny, he's mm. almost denying this part of his queerness, his, his attraction to Nick and everything else. It's difficult, very difficult. And then of course he passes it all off as a joke, which is classic Harry too. And Absolutely, yeah. A, a typical bully's response whenever they're challenged about mm. something that they just, they pass it off as a joke. Yeah. Or that you're you're being too sensitive mm. as well. Yeah. Um, That's something that I think comes up a lot in our school workshops in almost every workshop is people talking about people not being able to take jokes or that people are too sensitive nowadays people are snowflakes nowadays and all this crap basically at the end of the day Harry is just using this joke line as a tool to justify these horrible things and like I don't know to me it seems so black and white that that's what he's doing but I suppose when you're a teenager you kind like you can't really reason with that because you don't want to you don't want to come off that you're not capable of having a laugh or having a joke it's almost a way of turning it into the other person's problem it's it's Harry saying what are you talking about I'm not doing anything wrong you're the one that's wrong absolutely joke that you're not getting you know so in a way it's like he almost turns it around on them and Mm. all of a sudden it's the person that's accusing him is the guilty party rather Mm. than him being the guilty party um, but Charlie gets out of there pretty quickly. He he makes a beeline for the car park. Nick catches up and apologizes for how Harry treated him. It must be quite hard for Nick to see his friends that he's been friends with since childhood treat one of his new friends so badly. This is like mm. Charlie is now somebody he's developing quite an emotional attachment to. He's developing feelings for Charlie and his friends are being really horrible to him. Mm. Yeah, and I think that I know the way like Harry is also like uh, the kind of center of all of this, but it's also around the people who like the other friends that don't say anything or that kind of thing. And that, you know, um, if you don't kind of challenge this kind of behavior or or that kind of thing, like it, it does, you are also a false and you may not necessarily be the one saying homophobic stuff or, bullying someone uh because of their sexuality or their gender but you are in part kind of allowing this to happen and maybe in secret or like in in your silence telling you know the likes of harry that this behavior is okay and that you kind of accept this and that it's interesting because if you watch the fight scene that happens next so in the next scene that uh nick goes back down to confront Harry he's very angry and he, he gets into a fight they get into a fight but while they're having their argument if you watch the rugby boys behind Harry some of them actually look really uncomfortable about what's happening like they recognize that Harry's homophobia is is totally unacceptable and they're not happy mm. that they're in this situation so it's interesting mm. to to think about the context of those friends and when you're in that group of people with Harry is such a strong character as like kind of the linchpin of everything that's happening, mm. it must be quite hard to stand up and be the person to, to stand and defend somebody that, that's being picked on. Um, yeah, I know that in one of the schools uh, recently I got asked um, by a, 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 a student who was like um, at the end and they kind of came to me like by themselves and they were like, how, how do I combat this kind of thing how do I deal with with people making these kind of comments and it is kind of so scary when you're at you know 15 16 
uh, and you're hearing all of this stuff and it's kind of like I don't yeah. want to rock the boat I don't want mm. to be seen as like an easy target because yeah. um, it can very easily like you can become the target which is what we've seen with Harry uh, and Tao that once Tao started you know standing up for Charlie yeah. and uh, suddenly he became uh, a victim of, of Harry's bullying so it's like measuring up what can you do and seeing like where your safety is at as well because it could end up like you challenge something and it kind of escalates yeah it must be quite difficult you know at that age especially um with peer pressure and everything else that's going on and for someone like Nick who's still trying to figure out their queerness just be just witnessing this kind of homophobia from your friends must be quite intimidating and have a big impact Mm, on how you feel about yourself absolutely yeah I can speak to a personal experience with that um when I was in school there's a similar situation like when I was in school I really severely like had buried my like queerness like to a ridiculous amount and I think uh because I had such close friends that were being uh, targeted in the school because of their identities that would have had a that had a huge impact on me on my little malleable little teenage brain that yeah. I just did everything in my power mm. not to be perceived in that same way um, and it's incredibly damaging and it's a problem that can very easily fall you into adulthood I think um, not even like I, you don't even have to be the victim yourself of these horrible name calling or bullying about your identity all you have to do is see it happen to one person and I think you can just extremely internalize that yeah. Um, so it's incredibly hard. I really related to Nick uh, in that yeah. storyline. Yeah, even also mm. on like a personal note, like when I was in secondary school, like I knew I was bisexual. I was very sure of, of my sexuality since I was like 12 years old. I kind of knew that's how I was feeling. But I remember, you know, throughout secondary school, hearing these like little comments people would make. Oh, I'm fine with like gay people, but like bisexual people are greedy or bisexual people are attention seeking. And I do remember wanting to say something and wanting to defend myself. But also on the other side of it, I was already picked on a lot anyway, because I was kind of like, weird and very shy and awkward so it was like well if I say anything they're gonna say oh well well are you bisexual are you gay are you this and that and that Mm. will just be that that would be the end of the world for me when I was in sixth year uh this is around the time of the marriage equality referendum in Ireland and my RSE teacher had had a whole presentation about you know the LGBT community and she was talking about like marriage equality and and that kind of thing um and just the comments from my classmates I almost felt like so embarrassed and so ashamed and I just remember at the end of that class the teacher being like I'm so disappointed in you you are supposed to be the next generation why are you still thinking like this and she was just so Mm. sad about it as well and I do remember wanting to go up to her and and wanting to come out to her and be like hey I I really appreciate you doing this but then just be like that being so afraid Mm. of people overhearing me or you know the backlash that I would get and having to keep that inside and it's it just it Mm -hmm. destroys you like it actually affects you for the Mm. rest of your life I feel yeah 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 it must have been a bit soul destroying do you still do you still get attitudes like that whenever you go into schools to deliver your workshops it depends it depends whether or not they're going Mm. they think you can hear them or not there has been like cases where I've maybe heard someone whisper like a slur or you know joked about it to their friends when they think I can't hear them but like I can yeah other times it's in a more kind of like debate bro way 
in that kind of like oh I'm just gonna ask this question like I'm just I want to have a debate and this kind of thing and I feel like that's very much like um the influence of the likes of like Andrew Tate Mm. Ben Shapiro all these like far right or alt-right kind of figureheads and it's very much like this like um I I'm just I just want to debate um and it's kind of like poorly masked yeah and they're and they're teenagers this isn't their original thoughts they're very Mm. much perishing what they've heard absolutely online I find with uh, a lot of boys it is very much like the I want to show that I'm like a real tough man and I want to show that like you know I don't care about this stuff and I'm not supportive I'm Mm. because like if they do show that they're supportive it's it's almost like it's an attack on their own masculinity and that kind of thing god forbid people experience empathy yeah (laughs) towards another human (laughs) what a horrible thing I know toxic masculinity I swear to god so much a nightmare yeah where does it come from though where does this toxic masculinity come from you know if you see it in schools do they pick it up online is it family life and Mm. is it just is it inherited in male genes I don't think it's inherent um I don't think it's a biological thing I think it's so much around the culture Mm. that we grow up in and this is like across across the board but it also is seen I guess online and Mm. you know has to do with gender roles and the role models these young boys have um, and they're taught like if you you know are an alpha male if you're this you're that and you can achieve this greatness so when that you know when they're young boys and they're like well I want to be seen as tough Uh, I want to be seen as the man what's at fault here is the system and gender roles that you don't have to Mm. be this kind of ideal man you don't have to be this kind of like toxic alpha male you can just be you how tough you are has nothing to do with how manly or how how much of a man you are I guess for sure Mm. do you think that shout out workshops whenever they take place in school they they help towards changing that kind of culture and changing people's perceptions and thought processes around um, queer people and and what it's like to be an LGBT person I'd like to think so um but I also when I started a shout out I very much went in with the mentality of I'm not I'm not at the workshop to change anyone's mind and I'm not here for a debate I'm not here. Mm. I'm not going to stand here and justify um, queer and trans and gay people's existence. The reason that I personally get involved with Shout Out is because I want to speak directly to young queer people and I want to lift Mm. them up and be there to show the kids that they're going to be able to go on with their lives and find love in be that friend groups or partners that maybe they don't have yet in school. So that's what I always go in with the mentality of that. I'm not there for yeah. the person. I'm not there for the Andrew Trace Jr. who thinks that he's going to really get a reaction out of us and that he's going to do this epic takedown intellectual debate and he's just going to prove to me that gay people are all products of I don't know what because that's not what I came here to do. Yeah. I'm really here for the young kids and protecting queer youth, as we literally say. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting, that kind of perspective The it's about supporting those queer young people and showing them that um, life gets better rather than rather than trying to overcome like mm. a homophobe is always they may mm. they may change their mind about being a homophobe but let's be honest it's it's very much a personal thing that they have to do for themselves rather than something that anybody else can do absolutely yeah I I probably can't do that in 60 minutes yeah. Uh, in a in a school hall now that's that being said if if we do get through to people and we do encourage kids to look at things a different way obviously that's great uh but for me anyway that would be a bonus along the road mm. of uplifting the queer kids in the class yeah I think we we yeah because we're only there for in like 60 minutes I think it 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 kind of what I hope from workshops is that you know people who kind of have genuine like 
uh, questions are, mm. or have seen some things online that maybe they're like, I don't know if this is true or not, mm. that maybe, you know, a trans person or a queer person standing in front of the class and, you yeah. know, taking them at where they're at and trying to explain these things to them and and if they ask these questions in a respectful way I hope that Mm. they get something out of it and so the next time that they see this kind of stuff online they're they're thinking a little bit about that kind of workshop but I also think this this kind of thing needs to be integrated into you know every subject it needs to be normalized it can't just be that the only time we talk about lgbt people is during stand-up week or when a shout out or like when shout out come in it needs to be kind of integrated to everything and i think teachers should also be equipped to you know talk about these issues and it's unfortunate that we are seeing some backlash against students learning about LGBTQ plus uh, issues and and topics uh, because I think if we want to combat homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, it needs to be talked about. We need to talk about these things, Mm. yeah. Definitely. I I love that point, Ali, um, you made about uh, kids asking questions, particularly for things that they see online. Um, And it's so true, like the internet is not in any shape or form, a reliable source of information, if especially when it comes to mm. queer people. So the workshops give kids this opportunity to ask questions. And a lot of the times they might ask a question that on the surface might be almost um, hurtful or offensive or use maybe not the best language. But when they ask questions, I think it's always good to assume that they're coming from a place mm. of they want to learn and they want to understand yeah. Um, so it's a really good platform for uh, us to sort of displace myths or to mm-hmm. maybe break down certain um, stereotypes or assumptions that people have maybe about trans people or about queer people in general. Um, but like that, it's sad to think that students could think that a shout out workshop or something similar is the only time that they could ever do that. Mm-hmm. It would be great if it was just a very easy thing for them to discuss openly and question and not be afraid of a backlash that they could get from a question like that. For sure. For sure. At the same time, it must be quite hard for the the students who are genuine to ask those questions. Mm. So it's quite brilliant that they stand up and do it, you know? Yeah. 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 I always loved when we did the, um, when it was lockdown, we would do zoom workshops. And when it was like lockdown, lockdown where all the students were at their houses and they had their own little, devices that they're tuning in they could dm let's say myself or ollie or whoever was giving the workshop they could dm us and then it's completely anonymous we could just say well somebody just asked me this and those questions would always be really insightful and very personal and so that was the one one good thing Mm. (laughs) about the lockdown I wonder if there's a way with technology, could you integrate that into workshops you yeah, deliver in school yeah. by like WhatsApp messaging or whatever, you know, there, there might be. Or even I had in one workshop at the end, we had like a bit of time left. And what, this is just a teacher that was in the room was like, oh, why don't we get like a box and mm. write down their questions and yeah. put them in the box? And and I was like thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's actually quite smart because we did get some very uh, we got some weird questions like, <laughs> why are you gay? Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not actually gay. <laughs> um, but we also got things like, how did your family react? How, um, you know, why did you choose to, you know, be bisexual or be trans? Yeah. And, and maybe questions that, you know, people aren't kind of comfortable asking themselves. So maybe there is uh, something in that of kind of like those anonymous questions as well. Definitely that question about how your family reacted, like that's somebody who's maybe thinking about coming out to their family and they kind of want to know about your experiences and stuff. Fascinating. It's fascinating. Should we talk about Tao? Because Tao is another victim of Harry's in Mm. Heartstopper. Um, So Tao and Harry's story arc is also quite an interesting one. Um, Tao's choices when it comes to Harry are influenced not just by how Harry treats Charlie, but also how he feels about Nick and about the rest of the rugby lads. He thinks that Nick's friendship with Charlie is a bit of a joke, and he's sometimes very sensitive to any signs of aggression that comes from the rugby lads. 
like I always thought that Tao kind of put himself on Harry's radar by kind of arguing back and standing up for Charlie. But the first time um, that they have this interaction is whenever Harry's walking past him and Isaac and he throws a rugby ball at him and it hits Tao in the face. Like he's just sitting there having his lunch and Harry throws a rugby ball at him. And then over the next few episodes, we see this tension build where Harry starts to pick on Tao. Tao gets quite defensive anytime that Harry's talking to Charlie. And he's so quick and so sharp that whenever he comes back to Harry with his insults, a few of them land and make Harry's friends laugh. And that almost mm. makes things a bit worse because now Harry's the form of entertainment for the friend instead of instead of Tao. Whenever Tao talks to Elle about what's going on, he admits that he's actually making things worse in episode seven. But in the moment, it must be really hard to rein yourself in and not, not fight back, especially if you feel like you can in Tao's place. He's so quick-witted. And he's so sharp with his tongue that, you know, he can quite easily take Harry on. So it must be really hard to kind of rein yourself in, uh, even though you know deep down that it's making things worse. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because on the one mm. hand, you want people to stand up for themselves and their friends and yeah, not to take any crap from anyone or anything like that but then on the other hand it's like oh no like this is not the this is not the way to go about it it's definitely making yeah. it worse adding tension it's making harry resent you even more and it's yeah. making a spectacle out of it really it's interesting because in that conversation with Elle, Elle tells him that whenever she was in harry's class he also picked on her and that he's transphobic mm. And his mm. immediate response is like, why didn't you tell me? And we could have gone to tell a teacher. But yeah, he seems like that's such a struggle in this case that he doesn't seem mm. to see that that might even be an option to go and tell a teacher what's going on. It's interesting that whenever it's L that was being attacked by Harry, that's his first response. But in his case, it's it's the opposite. I think it also has to do with not knowing if schools are actually if the school is actually going to take it seriously mm. yeah with workshops when we ask around like bullying and like what shows that the school isn't supportive a lot of the times it's like people like get bullied and the teachers don't care or the teachers don't know what to do and it's kind of like people really think of bullying as as something that's kind of like oh kids will just pick on anyone for any reason but it's more more than likely they're going to be picked on because of things like their race their gender their sexuality the way they look it's more around identity based kind of bullying that you see a lot of uh, kids uh, and students go through is a reflection of our own society and sometimes like teachers just aren't equipped don't know what to do or other times are like well can you like not act gay or can you not mm. like be trans or oh can goodness. you not be queer and it's like no why are we asking students to kind of hide their identities yeah. just because they won't get picked on maybe we should be teaching bullies not to pick on people um and that kind of thing it's quite surprising that that's the response that some people get yeah pretty shocking actually and we know that charlie's quite lucky because he has mr ajay um, which is the teacher that he turns to a lot and and who was responsive whenever Har whenever charlie told him about um being bullied they do seem to have taken it quite seriously and and to have dealt with it the tension between Tao and Harry really builds ahead later in episode seven. And when Tao's eating lunch outside, Harry decides to take a seat with him at the table and asks him if he's ready for that fight, uh, referencing an earlier conversation. Tao jokes that, um, that, that only if it's a board game or a cake eating contest, which gets a laugh from Harry's friends again, you know, his humor is so quick. And before he can say anything else, Harry grabs the picture that he's drawing. It's a picture of the shoe potato, which... Um, him and Elle drew together the previous day and in a mocking voice he he reads out Tao and Elle and asks if his girlfriend drew it for him and um, this is a very personal attack now because Elle's involved and it's this picture that they've drawn together I don't think that there's any other way that this could have ended especially mm. as Harry takes off with the picture like Tao um, gives chase shoves Harry onto the ground and um, throws some apple juice in his face and they get into a fight Poor Charlie gets the brunt of Tao's emotions in this in this scene as the fight is broken up. Charlie pulls Tao off to the side and asks him what happened. And Tao's incredibly upset and blames Charlie for everything. He's 
upset about why Charlie didn't tell him about his relationship with Nick. And then he tells Charlie that it's all his fault. And at the end of the show, there's this cracked pane of glasses. And we see that Charlie's very upset by what's going on and he starts to blame himself. I have so much empathy for Charlie in this in this moment, like even though he wasn't involved in either fight, we see we see how it had such a huge impact on him. Seriously, yeah, just get Charlie away from these people that keep fighting each other. Like, I know for sure. It's not his fault in any capacity. It's such a horrible thing to hear from from a friend. Definitely. And then the next in the next episode, as the show opens, we see him have this heart to heart with his sister and mm. um, where he, he opens up to her about what happened with Ben, who always made Charlie feel like he was ruining Ben's life. And sometimes he thinks that the world would be a better place if he didn't exist. It's such a huge like that's such a, a, a huge statement, I guess. The impact on Charlie's mental health is pretty serious. What kind of impact does bullying have on young people? It has it has a, a big impact on young people's kind of mental health and there was a survey done um by uh by um belong to that kind of looked at um it's called the school climate survey um and it came out a few weeks ago or a few months ago and it kind of looks at kind of the environment and the climate of of schools and what that kind of looks like um and it found that like um there that in 2022 like 76 percent of uh, lgbti plus uh, young people felt unsafe at school which actually when we compared that to the 2019 statistic that's actually a a three percent increase um you know one in ten felt like they weren't going to be able to finish finish their leaving cert which is kind of uh, the exam you take at the end of your school year before you go on to college, which kind of, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on the leaving cert. It's Mm. kind of like the exam that gets you into college. So if you're, yeah, if you don't finish it, you're, you're kind of locked out of that opportunities or Mm. it's a lot more difficult to get into college, Mm. um, but also around like skipping school. So when it free skip school, the statistics are pretty, they're pretty frightening. Like what was yeah. it? 77% of queer young people don't feel safe in school. Like that's shocking. That's really, mm, yeah. really shocking. And like that, like school is supposed to be kind of a safer place for people exactly. to kind of just like, you know, learn students like they most of their time is spent in education so if you're going to a place that doesn't make you feel safe or where you have to especially like for for trans and non-binary students if they're not out kind of pretend uh, and hide and having to deal with that that kind of like constant like misgendering or dead naming and yeah. um, it does take a toll on, on your your mental health Definitely. Even to think of, you know, being in the classroom where maybe you don't feel safe, how are you supposed to focus on anything else? Mm. Like if you don't feel safe in that moment, let alone if you're worrying about the bus ride home or, you know, what somebody might say to you in the hallway or what's going to happen at lunchtime. But I'm sure there are happy moments too. And I'm sure workshops like the ones that you run give queer young people the hope Mm. that they that the the future is bright that it does Mm. get better that's what I hope at least yeah for sure (laughs) for sure what's your favorite thing about Heartstopper let's end on a a high what's your favorite thing about Heartstopper I love how I I just really like how I and I I I I love how in Heartstopper and I really picked up on it when I was rewatching it in the lead up to this podcast it's just so real to me like yeah a lot of these shows especially these high school shows these high school romance shows that you might watch you just watch it and you're like this is ridiculous all these actors are in their 30s this never happens at school this is so dramatic I love the subtlety of Heartstopper and how all all the things that happen to these teenagers are things that definitely happen to you at a teenager at some point in your life down to like the bullying down to like the way all the characters will kind of talk about events that are happening and the god not the gossip necessarily but just the way that they all talk to each other as friends about everything that's going on in their lives and how it's not over the top and over dramatic for the sake of being a dramatic show i feel like all the all the bullying 
and all the kind of drama that and the high points in the series are all very much things that happen in real life and very much real life struggles that everybody has to go through. So that's what I really love and sort of appreciate about the show. Um, yeah, I think because um, when this came out, um, I was like so into it. It shows that kind of queer joy and that queer people can have really like normal relationships that it isn't all doom and gloom while also it does show that kind of those hardships and it does kind of balance that very very nicely that it does show there is a lot more to be done for full acceptance and full kind of um for for full full like queer joy to happen but it is also very cute at times um like especially that 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 time in the cinema where they're holding hands and it's very sweet um, and I love just like the chemistry between uh, Nick and Charlie's actors it's just mm. so well yeah, done it really um, is. Uh, but also I'm gonna have to say that I also really like the soundtrack as well <laughs> oh, <poor. laughs> um, it it's really so fits it really kind of like pulls it all together um, and that kind of thing um, definitely yeah definitely I love what you said about how there's that balance between real life and also these moments of queer joy and I think that's one of the things I love about Heartstopper 2 like there's queer media out there that kind of exist in this bubble like Shit's Creek mm. is like this bubble where homophobia just doesn't exist and I <laughs> yeah. love that too yeah. and I love that too and that was a really mm. lovely show to watch and and everything else but in a way Heartstopper where you see the real life struggles of queer teens and straight teens. Like these aren't just queer stories. They're, they're mm-hmm. stories that everybody goes through, like bullying and your first crush and, you know, that unrequited crush and all these things that teenagers experience. But you still see how much joy there is in it. The show mm-hmm. just has so much joy in it. Mm-hmm. Ollie and Orla, thank you so much for coming on and being guests. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you guys came on. Thank you so much. This show wouldn't exist without our partners. We've got five national partners who are all amazing and we couldn't produce the show without them. So we're really grateful. Really grateful for you too, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. I don't have an extra show to tell you about yet. So we're going to take some time off and we'll drop some specials in between now and when season two comes out. Um, so make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow us on social media at Proper Full On Gay Podcast so that you get notified. Um, and you'll be one of the first people to know but in the meantime take care of yourselves and yeah thanks so much and i guess it's time to say goodbye goodbye thank you so much bye this episode was produced by shut up and listen in partnership with shout out ireland you can find out more about the show and all of our partners at properfullongaypodcast.com and discover our other hit shows at shutup.world